Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick, and we've got a guest today. We are talking about birth control. Um, and the guest is actually an, a host of another chiropractic-ish podcast called Vaginas and Vertebrae. Um, her name's Dr. Madeline Turner, and I'm jealous of her podcast name, okay? Let's just be honest. Like, I kind of wish that I had... Um, What's it called when you've got like two letters, like the vaginas and the vertebrae, where you got the, like the V's? Um, I don't know. I'm not gonna. It's not gonna come to me. All of you are yelling into the, into the podcast or into your player, like it's called this. But I wish I had that. Oh wait, I do. She slays. Oh well, I'll be damned. Well, I guess I'm just jealous that she's got a genital in the name of hers and I don't, because I do have the the double consonant thing going. Hmm. All right. Anyways. Um, okay. Before we get in to like the listener highlight and the prayer and all that stuff in her bio. So I am recording this a couple days before Mother's Day and um, I like stumbled across my husband and daughter's like list. I, I think they probably had like a little conversation about like, what should we plan for mom on Mother's Day? And <laughs> it's adorable. It's totally me. But are you ever frustrated that you're just super basic? <laughs> like, okay, so here's my explanation here. So it's probably the fact that I'm a wing four. For those who don't know the Enneagram, just you're not going to understand what I mean by that. For those who do know what an Enneagram four is like, they're very like concerned about being unique. And so as a three wing four, that will definitely come out. And that I think is what was the root of like, so, okay, so here's my list of things that my family says I want to do on Mother's Day. P.S. They're correct. I'm just upset that I'm not more original than this. Um, coffee, workout, target, plants, golf. I think there was another thing in there that I was just like, Oh man, I just sound like the biggest basic bitch ever. Like you can't go to Target on Mother's Day. Like I can't go do that because guess what Target will be full of? A bunch of moms with their Starbucks coffee who said, all I want is to just like walk around Target and like in peace. And I'm like, gosh, 
I mean, again, they're right. It's just like, how come my list isn't like skydiving, hour-long meditation? Um, what other cool things would a cool mom do? Uh, learn how to skateboard or paint? Um, other neat things? But I can't think of them because I'm just... I'm basic. I really run into this for sure. And I've known, listen, I've known I'm basic for a really long time. Um, my number one indicator was my obsession with pumpkin spice lattes. I'm sorry. I just really like them. Um, so yeah, call me, call me basic. Uh, yeah. So there, there's that. Also, funny thing, since this is technically our Mother's Day episode, I didn't do a special. Last year, I did a special episode and my patients were my patient was reminding me and she's like, oh, so I'm listening to your last year's Mother's Day episode. And in it, you go, it's not like we're adjusting barefoot or anything. And I don't know why I said that. I have no idea what that was in relation to. I can't remember the stuff that comes out of my mouth last yesterday, let alone, you know, an entire year ago. But it's funny because a year like now we're in our new space and we are adjusting barefoot. So I think it is funny that it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I am working. Apparently there was a part of me back then when I said that that was like, I wish I was adjusting barefoot. I'm not like that or anything. But yep, I manifested that. And now we are truly adjusting barefoot and being weirdo. So if you were hoping for a Mother's Day episode, uh, go back to last year's Mother Day episode, Mother's Day episode. I think I did a rapid fire of answering like some of the most common questions I get around momming, which I used to get more questions around momming. And then it's like, y'all learned who I am. And we're like, oh, she's not the person to ask about this. We should ask Kirby how to mom. <laughs> Um, that was not like a crack at my husband. It's just that like between the two of us, he's definitely the more nurturing one. So if you were like, how do you balance um, momming and career? You're like, oh, yeah, Lauren doesn't ever shit together on that. We'll ask a different podcast that question. I get more of the like, how's your how do you establish mental health and practice stuff? Or What's the Enneagram? Tell me about social media. That's all right. OK, let's do our listener highlight. So this is from Lauren McNeil, and her name is spelled the, the awesome way with a Y, just like mine. Um, it says, I just started listening to your podcast because I saw you had Dr. Mo and Dr. Mac on for episode 100. Whoop, whoop. Those are some of my favorite people. That was my insert, not what she said. Um, my parents went to school with them, so wanted to listen to see what it was all about. Then as I started listening, I remembered that one of my docs at Palmer had mentioned she listens to your show. Also very, very cool. That, again, was my insert, not what she said. Halfway through listening to episode 100, it paused and wouldn't continue playing, so I decided to listen to the episode on Path to Self-Love, and oh my God, I fell in love with this podcast. I have I have sent it to all my Cairo friends, my mom, and even my friends who aren't even Kairos, and they all loved it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren. That is really, really awesome. Um, sometimes, yeah, we should like figure out some kind of like code for like which episodes are very like chiropractic heavy and which are non-chiropractic. Um, like maybe there's like an asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. I don't know. Um, some kind of thing. Because, yeah, we have a ton of non-chiros who listen, but I feel like they get the gist pretty quickly when it's like, 
you know, figuring out your chiropractic school or whatever, whatever kind of stuff we talk about. That's very drink the Kool-Aid chiropractic. Um, today is totally not one of those days that is only chiropractic, Joe, though. Today we are talking about birth control, which unfortunately affects so many of us. Um, so Dr. Madeline Turner, she's a chiropractor whose jam is prenatal and postpartum care. She lives and works in St. Petersburg, Florida. She is also a menstrual coach where she helps women understand their fifth vital sign and how to fix their period problems without medications. Her mission is to help women understand and regain a loving connection to their bodies. And she's also the host of, or co-host of Vaginas and Vertebrae podcast, which we've already established. I am jealous of the name. Um, so I do not hold back on this episode. I really think that I ask her some of the hard questions um, that are some around the frustrations I have with, I don't want to say our, prof you know, it's hard being a hippie, you guys. It really is. And as a chiropractor um, who's lazy uh, as like a health person, I feel caught I don't want to say in the middle, but like a lot of times I do feel caught in the middle of like, okay, so birth control is killing me and plastic is killing me and perfume is killing me and my makeup is killing me. Um, so what am I supposed to do? So I definitely asked her some of the questions that I've wanted to ask someone around birth control. And I think she does a phenomenal job um, of not villainizing, villainizing, it's probably a word, anything, um, but instead just asking questions and bringing information. So definitely a very knowledge filled human. And I'm so glad that she is a guest on today's show. So let's pray and get to it. Dear God, thank you so much for medicine. We are very happy that it exists. Um, even though we sometimes, um, definitely are like, uh, no, thank you. Not my favorite thing, but I am I'm happy for advancements in technology and science and like I know there's its place and there are people out there who are just like they are so fulfilled in their life's work by creating more medicines and spreading more medicines to more people. And that's great. And so let today's episode hold a place um, without shame and judgment uh, for people who are on birth control or choosing that um, like that is the last thing I ever want anyone with this podcast to ever spread any more shame or judgment, um, but also allow people who maybe didn't know they have other options to just listen deeply and think um, about what they can do differently for themselves, for their daughters. Uh, we have so many fertility issues that are happening right now in this planet and, um, you know, this is just a piece of the puzzle that we're seeing so many hormones be messed up and people from all these different things. And we're trying so hard to to fix them. And sometimes we turn to quick fixes instead of like the root and the heart of the issue. And sometimes people, this is what's needed. And just again, just just shower everybody listening with just so much love and empathy and protect them from feeling any shame or self-doubt in what they're choosing to do for their bodies because that is one thing I stand for more than anything is no shame. It is your body and I love you and you got to listen to your innate and what it is telling you to do with yourself. So in your name we pray, amen. 
All right, peeps, here's my conversation with Dr. Madeline Turner on birth control. All right, Madeline. Well, welcome to the She Slays the Day podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited. (laughs) So you're a chiropractic or you're a podcast host as well. I mean, you're also a chiropractic podcast host. Have you gotten over any um, less cheesy way to like start an interview with someone like every time I go like welcome to the show I just feel like I throw up in my mouth but I don't know what else to say no I we always just like say hey or like welcome back I'm always like I'm super excited because I always am like if I wasn't I wouldn't be here doing this you know well and isn't that true I feel like every intro that I record I'm like I'm so excited for today's episode and it's like because I'm releasing it. If I wasn't excited, I wouldn't be releasing it. Exactly. Okay. Cheesy too. (laughs) All right. Well, well, welcome. Um, Before, so today we're talking about birth control, which I'm really excited. Um, I will be playing the role of the person who is an idiot and should know more than they do. Um, I feel like that's the role I play so much when I'm in with guests of like, I know that I am a doctor. And I know I should know this, but I don't. So I'll be playing that role today. But before we dig in, um, give me, kind of give me your five minute, like what, who are you? How'd you get to the point of having a podcast named Vaginas and Vertebrae? Right. It's a super fun name, right? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> so um, I'm Dr. Madeline Turner. I practice with my identical twin. She's also a chiropractor in oh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Yeah, we are. Um, we do family wellness, but our jam is like pregnant and postpartum moms. So she had went to chiropractic school like way before I did. Um, and I went and worked in the real world and I was like, I don't really know what I want to do. I worked and then I was like, you know, like I really want to help people more. But I'm not sure how. And I, basically it came down to like, I wanted to do chiropractic essentially. Like I wanted to help people be healthy and, and vibrant, but I didn't want to give them drugs and medication. Well, like I, you- I was a personal trainer. Okay. Yeah. So I love the body. Like I, my education is in exercise physiology for my bachelor's and stuff like that. And so I had just asked her one day, I was like, well, I, I mean, it's chiropractic. I get like, does that bother you? And she's like, no, like more at people in the field for like the right reasons, like the better, like go ahead. So I, you know, that's really sweet of you. Yeah. <laughs> Is it okay <laughs> if I do this with my life? Um, I don't know if you know the Enneagrams, but I'm an Enneagram too. So I very, <laughs> <laughs> did you just ask if I know the Enneagram? There are no less than two episodes on specifically just on the Enneagram. Yeah. And essentially our listeners now know it's kind of like, it's not a matter of if I'm going to ask the guest, it's a, how long into the episode before I just interrupt them and go, do you know what the Enneagram is? Like, so, okay. Yeah. You're two. That's great. Right. Wing. So it makes sense, right? What's your yeah. wing? Um, well, I did like, I did another one that my mentor created. So like my wing isn't like the normal one. So I must be some like really close. Cause mine came out to like a two, nine, six, oh. but it should be like a, a one or a three. So I'm not really sure which one I actually connect with as much. Like I can read both of them and be like, I can see how I do. Okay. Don't worry. By the end, I'll have your wing for you. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. Perfect. All right. So, so anyways, I interrupted you. I told okay. you I try not to <laughs> go to school, you know, um, graduate, start practicing. And like, I just don't fit in. Like 
all these different, I, I mean, I had like several practices. Yeah. Like I like ended up, I was like, I really just don't even love chiropractic. Like what am I doing? Like practice isn't, I don't know if practice is for me as much as I love it. Like, but basically what it came down to is like, I was working in other people's practices who were like, you need to be this. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't what they were telling me to be. So I wasn't able to show up and be authentic Mm -hmm. in that at all. So really at some point, like I just like hit rock bottom and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go and I'm going to build an online business. I was like, was leaving my, the office I was working at. I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay my bills. Um, everything, you know, works out the way it's supposed to. Like I did take a leap of faith. I did like a, a little like job for a franchise for chiropractic for a little bit. Um, during that time, my sister became pregnant and she had just opened up her own practice and she was like, Oh shit. (laughs) So ended up like, I didn't have to be, I always wanted to practice with her, but she was kind of burned by somebody in the past. So she's like, I don't want like that to mess up our relationship. So I end up coming into practice, taking over her practice while she's going through the end of pregnancy and postpartum and stuff like that. So now we practice together and we get to show up and build that practice in exactly the way that we want to. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of navigate it towards women's health. I think naturally, cause I am a woman, I've been stuck in the system. Like I've had like really shitty things happen to me. I've heard it from so many patients on stuff that's happened in the medical system. And, you know, I was just like, I want to be a safe haven for these women. Like I want to show them like, it doesn't have to be that way. And to give them better options and answers, you know, whether that is like preconception through pregnancy or postpartum. And as I still wanted to build an online presence as well, because I have these wonderful dreams of being able to travel and live anywhere and work. <laughs> I, yeah, I, through my, healing my own stuff, like I really came across like this menstrual cycle and like, what menstrual cycle health actually was and like what we knew about it and how we could really use this information and use it in our life as women to like learn to kind of go with the flow and not always be so rigid with everything and to really get these different changes in life. So as I dove into that, I was like, man, I got to help women with this because again, like we see a lot of pregnant and postpartum moms. Like we have, I don't know what you see in your practice, but so many women struggling with like infertility and conceiving and things like that, you know, so many women who have really bad period issues and they're constantly told the same shit over and over again, that like, it's normal. You can't do anything about it or take this pill. And I'm like, that's not true. Like, yeah. just like, it's not true for like all the other stuff in the medicals. Like, you know, there's a time and place for medicine by all means, but you know, I, I'm like, I can't sit back and watch all this happen. So I just created menstrual coaching and yeah. started doing it after, you know, like learning and stuff like that. But that's it what where I am today. Away how many things either the medical community or like Dr. Google just goes like, Yeah, there's not much you can do about it. And I just want to like take my pen and chuck it across the room and go, that's fucking not true. Like literally this morning, I had a pregnant woman who said, I know there's probably nothing you can do about it, but I think I, my pubic bone, there's something wrong with my pubic bone. Um, And when I Google, like they said, it's normal during pregnancy and it'll go away when you're not pregnant. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, what like yes it is normal but like there's a very like why can't google just be like actually um there is something you can do about it physical therapist or chiropractor but like don't say no there's nothing they don't promote natural like alternate we know that especially over the last year like 
they don't promote natural alternative things. They, they hide it down. So it's not advantageous for them to do so. Right? And it's like, it's outdated information too. Like mm-hmm. maybe chiropractic and PT weren't as big. And now we're a lot, I think we're a lot more known. There's still a lot of growing that can happen for both professions, but um, you know, I mean, I still have women who come same things, you know, and, and they're OB, especially with pelvic floor stuff. Yeah, I don't even know. You don't need to be checked. I'm like, did you have a baby? Were you pregnant? You need to go to a pelvic floor PT. Like, yeah. it's a standard of care in my office. Yep. Like, no. <laughs> well, it used to be so, like, the hospital around us actually, that did used to be a standard of care just for C sections. Is that oh. all C sections moms um, saw physical therapy? And I was like, well, that's fantastic. Now yeah. we don't even teach them how to like get up. Like that doesn't even show, tell them like, Hey, when you get up, you need to get up a very certain way. So you, and I'm like, this is like, this is below standard of care. type yeah. of thing. So you said, um, that you had some shitty things happen to you. Like what kind of things did you go through that? Like it kind of led me on like women's health and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, well, I've definitely like in the past, like I, had, I wouldn't say like, I have like bad period issues by any means, but I've like went and I've had an irregular pap, you know, and the, the doctor sitting in front of me is like, I'm going to exaggerate, but probably like, I feel like like 70 years old man, you know, at this point, this is way before I went to chiropractic school. Like I didn't know what I know now. I'm not as comfortable advocating. It was not as comfortable advocating then as I am now speaking up. And, you know, he's like, Oh, you have your irregular path. Like we see this kind of growth. Like, so basically we're going to like freeze cells off. Like it's not a big deal, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, again, at that point, like I didn't know to ask more yeah. questions I didn't know that. Oh, so if I, really do we have time? I can probably change my lifestyle and and food and stuff. And this can probably heal and resolve on its own, you know? And so I get this done and the experience was just traumatic. I think because he didn't really explain to me what was happening. Nobody explained to me like what is going to happen next in your healing phase and how long that's going to be, what you should avoid or not avoid. And just going through that, like, I mean, nobody told me to avoid like intercourse. I did at the time. And it was, it was like, this bloody show. I mean, not to be like do TMI, but it's like stuff that like your doctor should tell you. Yeah. They should, I think, give you an informed consent, whether it's a medication or it's a procedure and tell you like, here are the pros and cons. So you can make the best choice for yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, I wasn't given that, you know? And like, I swear that I wasn't right for years after for all of that healing to happen. If somebody had told me like, Hey, like this is probably going to take quite some time to heal. Um, maybe, yeah, you can, let's see if you can change your diet and lifestyle, reduce your stress and see if this resolves on its own. I probably would have went down that path, you know, like a lot more like body autonomy that way. Well, even with pregnant women, like, um, Lindsay Matthews from BirthFit was on months ago and she talked about how it takes nine months, nine months. And like, why the heck we've got six weeks in our head and even before that like I feel like there's this idea of like I did it before six weeks not did it like I got back in my jeans and then two weeks I'm back to like going to the grocery store that week and it's like ew why did we do this and it's just like a cultural thing here right like it's normal for that quote-unquote normal I know we talk to our moms about that all the time 
yeah. So definitely like that in the past on top of like, I mean, what really dove me into like the menstrual cycle stuff I had, um, you know, all the information I know from chiropractic school and practicing, I had gotten rear ended like really bad a while ago and also like broke up with like a really toxic relationship. Yes. Like, you I mean, literally like within the same 24 hours. So trauma gets stored in your nervous system. And then like, I couldn't cross it. Like I was, I was hurting all the time. I gained weight. I was like, well, I'm doing the things I know to do, like, but something has to give. And I had came across, you know, oh, well, we have a second internal clock as women. And it matters. Like there are certain times of the month that are better for high intensity workouts like CrossFit and other times in the month, like you, it's just not as good for your body to do that. It's, it's nice. It slows down more. And like to honor that process is when I started learning that and implementing it in my life, then all the changes happens, you know? And I was like, oh, I feel, cause I felt like I was just fighting my body all the time. Right. You know, when I hear that from women all the time, like, why is my body failing me? Like, why do I feel like I'm on a constant fight? Like, why is this happening? But we've never been taught to look at like, well, what information is that giving you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do I fix it? How do I take that information and then turn it and be like, okay, I can do this to support myself. Yep. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is no, I mean, I don't know the history of medicine, obviously. Um, That's not my area of expertise, (laughs) but like, I have a feeling for almost as long as medicine has been around as the way we think it, it is very like putting the doctor in a situation where they're expected to have the solution and not give advice and options. It's like, we are looking to the doctor to be certain. And so then they step into that role that we as society ask them to do. And then, you know, so like when it comes to birth control, um, I don't even know, like, obviously you can't ask like, how old is birth control? Like, because like cavemen were using, who knows what they were using, but they were doing something. Um, So when I, I guess modern day birth control, that is not uh, interceptive. I don't know if I'm using the right word, but like orally hormonally disrupting like when how old is birth control and when did that start becoming so damn standard so i i believe it was like in the 50s like in the 50s around like 19 recently yeah like around 1955 they whoever was like i don't remember the doctor saying that was like leading the front on like some of this oral contraceptive wanted to do trials he did trials in puerto rico on Puerto Rican women and what they, and and by all means, like as this time was going on, I think like during that time and maybe a little prior, like people were having a lot of babies. Like they didn't have like a birth control method really. So I can understand that like it was needed in a way, right? Like people didn't want to continue to have babies. How were they going to financially support them? And never mind the fact that we know how much that can be taxing on a woman's body. Like it, and, and to be in a space where like, you don't know how to avoid it. Right. right. Um, so he went to Puerto Rico and they went to Puerto Rico because they were having a huge boom in population. And not only did they go there and took advantage of like people that were a little bit more like, I really, really need the help. He went to low income, mm-hmm. you know, more, the ones who we've had even more and were incentivized to do this because they just like didn't need any more kids and they like wanted to change. So he sets up the clinical trials and he gets them in there. He doesn't tell them it's clinical trial. 
It doesn't tell them potential side effects. Some of them complain about side effects that they're seeing. And I think they're either like discharged from the um, study or kind of it's like, no, that's not from the birth control. And I think like two or three of them died. Well, you know, you're going to just have that anytime you have a study. Sometimes some people are going to die. <laughs> I could say so much about that. I know, like, I know you 2020 and 2021. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like to me, it's like crazy because so, so much they like, learn it's very safe. It's incredibly right. safe. So everybody says it's safe, it's safe. And like, granted, like, I mean, I guess maybe, honestly, I don't even know. Like, is it really safer than what was happening then? Because it can still kill people. Mm-hmm. It can, it still has nasty side effects for women, depending, you know, not every woman, but I think to like, what's really interesting just in like women's healthcare and like things like that, it's like really knowing the history of it, because you can see like kind of what it was forged from and like what's going on. Um, so that's kind of like where, like they started studying it and doing it. And then of course, like they saw, like it could prevent pregnancy, but they also noticed when they put them on there, like it using quotations fixed their period problems magically. Mm. So it gets prescribed a lot more for that. Like 60% of women that are on hormonal birth control are not on it to not conceive. They're on it for other related issues. 60%. Interesting. Well, yeah. And is that like, does that include like the 12 year old that's put on it for acne and stuff? Like, yeah. 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 You know, okay. All right. So, so in the beginning, were they giving it just to like women or would they also like, and give this to your teenager? Uh, Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I would assume based off of just like society back then they, they were mainly giving it to adult women, mm-hmm. you know, just based off of cultural norms and like culturally, like your kids weren't supposed to be having sex. Like we knew it right. still happened and stuff. And I would have to imagine it probably changed a little bit later, yeah. you know, where kids will younger adults or preteens or whatever or teens started getting prescribed it. Like now we know that so many of them. Are oh on yeah. It. Yeah. So, Okay. So currently, so I had a patient the other day and this happens to me all the time. So like my history with birth control is that when I was ready to start being sexually active, I went to the doctor and was like, I don't want to get pregnant. Um, And I got birth control. And then I had the kind that um, there would be a week of sugar pills hmm what is was that like is that an estrogen because there's different like kinds right there there are different kinds like some of them are more estrogen dominant some don't have estrogen they just have progesterone in them um but all like if you're doing like an oral one which is like the pill like you will have that week of sugar pills because when you're on hormonal birth control and i guess i should have said in the beginning as well like i would like to ask you like Again, like this is information for everybody to make the most informed choice on themselves. Yes. Themselves. Like I'm not saying that the hormonal birth control shouldn't exist or any of those things, but I do think there is a lot of information that needs and talks that should be had before somebody's prescribed it. Right. And what their promises of that the doctors are telling them on the prescription of what's going to happen. Yep. You know? Um, but 
I lost my train of thought. Yeah. So <laughs> I was asking like, so there's estrogen oh, yeah. pills, there's non-estrogen, there's progesterone. Like yeah. why are there different types? Because people respond differently. People okay. respond differently to everything else. So like sometimes when women are on estrogen pills, like they really don't handle them well. So they'll be like, well, we'll give you either a lower dose or we'll give you a progesterone pill and maybe like their body will handle it better. Um, they, and the thing is like, they'll get the, you get the um, week of like sugar pills because when you're on hormonal birth control, the way that it works is it suppresses ovulation. So you do not ovulate when you're taking hormonal birth control. So you can prevent pregnancy, right? If you're not ovulating, there's no way you can get pregnant you're not dropping an egg. Right. But also like in order to get your period, like you have to have that, those lower amounts of hormones for that lining in your endometrium to actually shed. So the sugar pills allow those levels of hormones to come down to actually shed that lining of your endometrium. So like, I feel like in the last whatever, 10 years mm -hmm. um, that I've been an adult, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can just skip the sugar pills and you don't like, right. with, is that? Because, so when you're getting a period on hormonal birth control, it is not a real period. It's not a real period. It doesn't do, it's not the same at right. all. It's not, it's a withdrawal bleed from, from decreasing the, so, really, so if somebody was on birth control, cause like right now, so if somebody told me like, oh, I just skip my period mm -hmm. air quotes, period. Yep. I skip my bleeding. Yep. Like, um, I would be like, no, 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 no. I don't think you should do that because like, that just feels so unnatural. Sure. So like, did they kind of include that in your opinion do you feel like originally they like included that sugar pill week to be like see it's still natural your body yeah. is still working the way it's supposed to you're just i think so i think yeah i think because we always did and had it and it was kind of like well i think at that point we were like well maybe we should still have it so i think it was more of a this makes us feel like it's kind of still there and normal quote unquote right. But we're yeah, not messing you know, with our body that much. Right. But we've also gotten like from, from where this started to where we are now, just so far removed to our bodies in general and being connected to them and how they actually work. Well, so how now, are you? You brought up the moon, which I love because I've had lots of conversations <laughs> about the moon and my menstrual cycle. I was actually um, just saying on the podcast that like I, so I, my husband has a vasectomy, so I'm not on yeah. anything, which is yeah. awesome. Um, but I still track my menstrual cycle because I want to know like when I'm going to be ovulating and I should expect more energy. And yeah. things like that. Well, how do people who are on birth control, if they're not ovulating, mm -hmm. do they still get like, does their body still go through? Nothing? No. It won't. It's not going to have the natural changes that we have when we're not on something because when you're taking the hormonal birth control, it's suppressing that communication from your hypothalamus and your brain to your ovaries. Like it's not allowing them to communicate. It's just putting synthetic hormones in your body. So when you're doing that, you know, how does it, okay. I'm not, I don't expect you to know how it stops. So like the hypothalamus that is innately driven to just like communicate with the ovaries, that medication, like stops that communication and takes over yep okay yeah and i don't know 100 percent. like well okay hold on know, just to like yeah yeah well, this is all you know uh so as a non 
hormone educated person or whatever, um, it kind of seems obvious that if you do that, then when you're like ready to have a baby, I mean, it's kind of like, we're just like, okay, hypothalamus, hello, start talking. And yeah, and not to like, I don't, gosh, you know, we're both like very sensitive of like, we don't want anyone to feel shame that if you're struggling to get pregnant and you're like, so you're saying it's because I was on birth control for 10 years. Like we're just bringing awareness to have conversations. Yeah. And it's not, but when you do come off birth control, there is this like post-birth control depletion that can happen. If you went on birth control for a certain period related issue that they told you it would fix more than it's going to still be there because it didn't fix it. Never mind the fact that now it could have created more issues because hormonal birth control, like robs you of your micronutrients in your body. You know, it can really tear up your gut. Um, you're not getting those brain. So when you cycle throughout the month, the normal way, like you're getting changes in your brain, like you, it, this influences your gut, your microbiome, you, it, your immune system, like all these different things. So you're not getting that normal cyclone flow. So you've suppressed so much of this over the years. So when you come off of it, like it can definitely leave you at like a deficit and it's just going to depend on the woman and other things going on and where she started on like how long it takes her to get her period back. Does she need extra support in that process? Like nutritionally or, and, and that type of thing. Of Is there like a standard of time for like how long you were on it in general for like when your body is gone? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it really depends on the woman and her body. Um, most of, I think it usually takes a couple months to really get re-regular to like, not just get your period after it, but to really get your cycle regular again, which makes sense. Safe to say that let's say somebody was on it, go off it. They get pregnant the first month. Is it safe to say that getting pregnant is not a sign that your body is recovered? Yes. Okay. So you had, you had mentioned micronutrients, like for your patients coming off, do you have like a protocol that you recommend? For yeah. Like-, like there's some general things I'll recommend. And then, um, we could do Dutch testing as well, which is like dried urine. So you do, the I have a Dutch test. Yeah. Uh, yeah. keep avoiding doing it because <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I have a Dutch test from like a year ago when I did an interview <laughs> with Beth Westy and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure my hormones are jacked. I want to know. But I'm like literally looking at it. It's been there for like seven months and I'm just like, ooh, not this month, not this month yeah. type of thing. But even with like the Dutch test, when you're coming off of um, hormonal birth control, they the they do recommend waiting three three cycles to, to take the Dutch test to really see where your hormones are at. So again, like it's definitely taking a couple months for them to start to even re-regulate on their own. Okay. You know? mm-hmm. So we kind of, um, I brought up fertility stuff, but like are what are studies are being done? Are mm-hmm. we doing anything in science to kind of go like, Hey, what are the long-term effects that we're seeing or From what I looked at, like you can find stuff on like cancers, like maybe you're at a higher risk for this type of cancer. If you're on hormonal birth control for a long period of time, or maybe it decreases your risk of these cancers. So, um, I haven't seen anything necessarily directly tied to fertility or infertility or that type of thing. But I mean, just like, I can tell you just from practicing and looking at the people that are 
that come into our office and from other practitioners to talk about, like, we know issues with conceiving or like trying to conceive or it's harder and harder than it used to be. And it used to be this hard. We have a lot of women struggling with it, you know, and in Florida where I am, I just had a patient who I did like a lot of work with. She did work with acupuncture, you know, and still um, she hasn't conceived. So she did decide to go get like a consult and stuff like that. And like these places here are so busy when it comes to like looking at like IVF and stuff like that. She's like, it's a nightmare to schedule. Like she did all the tests they asked her to do. And then they were like, oh, well, uh, we can only do this, this procedure you need done during like this window of your cycle. And we scheduled these other procedures ahead of that. So you have to be on a wait list. So because you're on the wait list, if you want to get on sooner, you can get on birth control because it'll extend out your window that you can do it because you don't have to get your period. And I was like, are you kidding me? So it was just crazy. <laughs> oh my, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got off on a tangent because I actually want to know the answer to this. So for people now, is it really not a big deal for that if they're on birth control to skip their period? It depends on the woman. Okay. I think it depends on the woman on like what she knows about her body and, and what she's comfortable with and stuff like that. But I, I think from what I've seen that women, some women are a lot, not as bothered by not having it, you know, they think it's great. I mean, because think about it, they've been sold a lie. They've been sold a lie from the beginning of their their life. Like you're going to have a period and it's going to suck. Oh, look, we can give you this and you don't have to have a period. You don't have to suffer every month. You don't have to have to go through that. Oh, what a godsend. And you're like, but, but it's like, we don't, but we're not thinking about, okay, well, fine. It's convenience maybe, but like, what is that doing to our body? Like, like we're not asking those questions. You just brought up a mind blowing thing that I didn't think about of like, we, so we all have kind of heard about like how a woman used to be like called hysterical, like, isn't the root of hysterical, yeah. like something to do with her their uterus and they take out their, they were giving them a hysterectomy. hysterectomy. Uterus was oh making my God. Sense. I never made that connection. Hysteria yeah. hysterectomy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Holy yeah. cow. Holy uh-huh. cow. So we, ne- we kind of like roll our eyes and go, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that women were treated so gross. Like there was something wrong with them that their body was doing it. Um, but we still do that. It's just in pretty forms of advertising. And yeah, like that messaging mm-hmm. in society has not gone away, has it? No, it hasn't. It's still there. It's strongly still there. There's definitely, I think, some people doing better and like different companies that are doing better. You know, like I'm a um, brand ambassador for Thinks, which is like period panties. And I know like they do a better job and they'll put out commercials. I saw them get dinged the other day on Instagram for it. Somebody was like, I saw your commercial. Like, why? Why did you show blood? Because it's so gross. And and they were like, but it's natural. Like it's a natural process. And women, like we shouldn't see it and have this like visceral reaction that it's so gross. And this person was like, no, I mean, I don't agree with you. It's absolutely disgusting. Like my period's awful. I don't like to think about it. Like those type of things. So you think you have some people who are trying to do better. But I think as an on the general like mass level, like it's still sold the same way. Mm-hmm. It's bad. And terrible. then you think about like 
the person who's like, I don't want to think about my period. I don't want to have it. That mental suppression, Mm -hmm. like on the subconscious level of what you are doing to your feminine energy and not even like linking it to like, let's move past fertility, but like Mm -hmm. to endometriosis and PCOS and like, Uh, menopause. I was going to say for some people, like I get it, their periods are absolutely horrific. I think the disconnect in that is, is that your period's a fifth vital sign. So like you have your other vital signs that are things that we can measure from the outside to give us an idea internally what's going on in our health, right? Like our temperature or how much we breathe, like our pulse and stuff like that. Like as women, like a couple of years ago, they were like, oh yeah, you have this fifth vital sign. Like we're going to recognize it now. It's your menstrual cycle. So that's anytime we have any sort of problem, whether it is PCOS, whether it's endo, whether it's fibroids, whether it's just really bad PMS or PMDD, like any of those things are signs that there is a miscommunication. Something's imbalanced in that endocrine system. Like you, it's not supposed to be that way. It's we've sold it as it's normal or whatever, or you're, or you're broken maybe, but we don't have anything to fix you, but do they have solutions or is there solutions like, Oh, you're low in progesterone. Maybe you should take a progesterone dominant birth control. Depends who you go ask, right? It depends who their team is. Like if you, and of course I can't speak for all OBs or all doctors by any means, but uh, you know, if you go to your OB more than likely, they're going to tell you, get on a birth control pill. It's going to fix it. But what we see and what we can really do and what I help women with is like, we look at like, is your blood sugar balanced? Because if you have mismanaged blood sugar, like you're really high up and then it's really low and you're really high up and it's really low. It's really stressful for your body. So then it stresses your adrenal glands and your cortisol goes up, which then cortisol will mess up your progesterone. And it's like this cascade of things. So we look at like, how do we manage your blood sugar? How do we support your adrenals? Because adrenals are stress-related. People are under chronic stress anymore. Like most people's adrenals are taxed. Yes. You know, are we, are our organs of detoxification supported? Are you eliminating those hormones that are used in your body, that estrogen that you used? Are you able to excrete it out of your body every single day like you're supposed to? So is intermittent fasting real? Okay, just like, well, you know, you can have good blood sugar on intermittent fasting. You can, but so like part of the issue as well is that like a lot of the research has that's been done on just different fitness trends or like nutrition trends and stuff like that is they don't include women who are menstruating. Like they, when they're doing these, a lot of the research, they're doing them on men or they're doing them on postmenopausal women because they're now a lot more like level, like their hormones aren't changing every day. It's an external, it's another variable in the study, right? So like we have all these good studies on like intermittent fasting, but they haven't been done on women. Some of the studies that have been done on intermittent fasting on women who are like in, in those years where they have their period, it shows that it's not great for them at all because it does, it is a stress for their body because their blood sugar is mismanaged. And they, when they study us, they study is closely related to mice or rats because I guess we're like really close genetically. And what they show in one of those studies is that like the eggs in those mice decrease when you intermittent fast. So if you're doing that to, so we would have to maybe not assume, but at least be aware that it could be doing the same thing in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you're, what you're implying is that perhaps 
only drinking eight cups of coffee from the time I wake up until 2 p.m. is not helpful and is semi possibly linked to I had all right I'm gonna go ahead and self-diagnose because (laughs) what's not 100% self-diagnose um I've talked to a lot of experts and uh my most recent OB had said like um we hadn't done the actual Dutch test yet. She recommended mm-hmm. I do it. Like I said, nice. it's over there, right there. Yeah. Um, but she had said like, you know, a lot of your symptoms would indicate that you're low in progesterone. Mm-hmm. And so she said like, you know, you can, there are some very simple things like a progesterone cream. Mm-hmm. And I like everything in my body was just like, no. And so like, I, as a chiropractor, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. There are certain things like I feel like I took an oath in my sleep sometime of like, and you will hate this and you will hate that. And if you get photographed with a Diet Coke, you're dead. Uh, (laughs) And I feel like birth control slash hormone replacement therapy is on that list of things I'm just supposed to hate. Yeah. So I haven't done it I, well, because one, again, I would do the Dutch test and confirm before I would, but like, Sure. So something like a progesterone cream, should I hate that as much as I think I'm supposed to? I don't get to make that. Yeah, I don't get to make that choice for you. I think that's what a lot of this is about. Like you have to decide for yourself. Okay, well, you have that. Somebody do it. Yeah, and if you have that gut like thing, that's like, no, like I always like tell people to listen to their gut, but you have to see like what's in it. Like, is there other things that are in the progesterone cream? Because like this one of those things, like what else is added into what we're taking and what's going to be the effect? Maybe not the effect a hundred percent on like the hormone. Maybe we're trying to target, but what is the side effect? Like with hormonal birth controls and stuff like that, like our kidneys have to filter through all that stuff. Our liver has to filter through all that stuff. So that's going to wear and tear on them and give them more stress in that process. You know, when you can eat foods that will support your progesterone, there are natural, there are natural supplements on like Vitex is one that like will support progesterone production and stuff as well. But that's where like things like the Dutch test is really good because it's going to go in and see like, is it really an issue that you have low progesterone Or is it maybe like you just, your progesterone maybe is low because your ratio to estrogen is really high because you're not able to to excrete the estrogen out of your body the way you're supposed to. And then there's like two pathways in the liver that do that. So is it a problem with pathway one or pathway two, like Mm -hmm. type of thing. So it gives you like a lot more detailed information to be able to go in and like really pinpoint to figure those things out. I mean, you can definitely do some like general things that just aren't going to like, you know, like I said, like balancing your blood sugar, like any woman can do that. And it's going to make a huge difference, like massive difference if they can do that and keep it managed for their periods. One thing they can do. Yep. Okay. All right. So you're being very good and politically correct. I love that. I am going to force you to not. Um, okay. okay. So let's say that, how old are you? <laughs> 34. All right. Oh, we're the same age. Um, <laughs> and by the way, I figured out your Enneagram wing. It makes total sense, especially since you said the two, six, nine thing. So you're a two wing three. Okay. <laughs> that when you took the test, the reason that the test was like, I don't know, you have a lot of six and nine tendencies is because threes six and nines are linked so like you probably answered some questions where they were like oh that was very a healthy 
six, which a three can do. So anyways, you're two. Okay, got it. Good um, to know. Okay, so let's say you're 34. You're dating this guy. You like him, gonna marry him. It's great. You're, oh, okay, hold on. Let's not get the religious people mad. You're married, okay? <laughs> you're married. <laughs> We made everyone happy here. Well, yes, I was going to say, oh, never mind. I'm not going down that. Uh, You want to have children. So you want to keep his parts like they're, you know, um, but you don't want to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And you needed as a married woman to decide on the form of birth control that you would choose. Mm -hmm. What would it be? Yeah. What would you do? Well, I, right now I do, um, like where I just track my cycle. So like some people call it like a fertility awareness method or like family planning and stuff like that. So I know I track my basal body temperature every single day to see when it peaks. So I know I've ovulated and you would also want to like, not definitely track the basal body temperature, but you want to cross-reference that it. Like either. a forehead thing? No, under the tongue. Oh, okay. One, yeah. Um, it's just like, since it's basal body, like you can't get like the normal, like thermometer you would get to just regularly check your temperature. Cause it'll go to an extra degree, 10th of like a degree. So you want, I want to get it like a little bit more specific, but, um, you track that you look for a spike. I mean, this is like the quick rundown of it. Look for a spike. It'll tell you when you ovulate. So you only have a certain like five to seven day fertile window. Like it's not every day of the month that you can get pregnant. You cross-reference it with either like your cervical mucus or like your cervical positioning. And you avoid that time. What do you mean cervical positioning? Yeah. So your cervix changes position based off of if you are ovulating and then your body, cause your body just tries to get pregnant. It's naturally what it wants to do. So the cervix will open more okay. for that to happen versus once you're through that window, it closes up again because you're like, Oh, I didn't get pregnant. So how am I checking my cervical position? I'm ready. I know. Okay. So like, what am I looking for? What am I searching for in there? You're searching for like at one point, like, and I'll have to double check because I don't do the cervical position as much as I do like the cervical fluid one. Um, but like, it should be like lower and softer at one point and like more open, which is probably during like that ovulation time versus other times it'll move up a little really bit. So cool. it's a little bit harder to reach. It's not <laughs> as soft, that type of thing. And that one, like you don't have to check every day, but if like you can do your cervical fluid, like the woman that I listened to and learned from, she just tells you to wipe before you pee when you're already in the bathroom. And then you, you can like touch off of the toilet paper or check it out and see what consistency it is. Um, and like when you're like really ovulating, like it's going to be this more like egg white type of consistency. So it's a lot more viscous. So it can like allow the sperm to travel through it and get to your egg versus like other times it's more like lotiony or, or you're dry and you don't really have much cervical fluid in there. So, okay. But that, I mean, that's what I do now. And I've been doing that for years. Like, and that's what I would continue to do. Like, I'm not somebody who's going to take hormonal birth control, you know, and I'm not even open to like, even like the copper IUD or anything like that, because are we still doing that? They're doing it for a lot of women who've had babies that don't want to be on hormonal birth controls. They're like, well, it's not hormonal, it's copper, but there's no long time to talk about that. I I'm so confused. I don't (laughs) Can, can we sidetrack and talk about the copper IUD? I don't get it, it that it's not hormonal. What is it doing? 
the, the copper like somehow repels the I think sperm from meeting the egg is from my understanding. What? But the thing is, like, there's no like long term studies on long parts of like having copper in your body for so long, and like the women, some of the women I know on it, and then what I've heard like when I do look it up, when they're like, "Is this normal?" It's like they at some point they usually get like really heavy bleeding, like their periods get worse and stuff like that, and they get the copper IUD removed, and it magically gets better. So you're like, okay. So no to the copper, no to the copper. So now I mean, for me, it would be yeah. a no, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But and yeah. So and then you're like, well, okay. Like, what are your other options? What's the thing that gets injected in your arm? An implant. Okay, and that is that different than the depo shot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do we still do the depo shot? They still do the depo shot. Yeah. Okay. So I looked up when you because you asked me. I was like, I mean. This is so interesting to me is I didn't, if you would have asked me like, what are the top two prescribed types and methods of birth control? I would not have given you one of these answers. So I was like, oh, let me look. Cause you were going to ask. Yeah. I'm not really sure. hundred percent. Like I know oral contraceptives is at the top or so it depends where you look. It's oral contraceptives or sterilization. No. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I was like, holy moly sterilization like and i, mean, I know people do that was that but... done by the world health organization like the, the global <laughs> approach to fertility um so i have a patient who's 16 and she got the implant which mm-hmm. in my mind just like what a terrible marketing thing like hello who is going to anyway um and she's had migraines and i keep saying like you need to go back to her ob and like look and they're like well we can't it's inserted in her and i'm like take it out and then they're just like well this will level out with it and we're going on six months and i'm just like these migraines started when they put the implant in you need to get a different form of birth control at any time like a woman is experiencing that stuff like absolutely she needs to go back to her doctor and she needs to be like this is what's happening like what other options do i have and i'm so tired like just wait for it to level out what if it doesn't level out like we're talking about like women who will get on some sort of birth control and become severely depressed and like maybe suicidal or something and like you you how long do you want them to wait for like like, no, take, take them off of it and find, and maybe give them a different option. Like this is, I didn't even think about like mental health being, uh, Oh, sorry. So what are some of the, okay. Signs that like your birth control that you're on is potentially not working for you. Definitely things like depression, anxiety, like migraines, stuff like that is definitely like big ones that we see in here. Um, so I mean, and then just anything, maybe GI issues, like their gut can be really bad. They can start getting like reincurring like infections or stuff like that. And then like coming off of that birth control does better for them than staying on it. But the, I don't know hundred percent, the number off the top of my head, but I think it's like, depending on what form of of like estrogen or progesterone birth control that women are prescribed and depending on their mental health history, you know, it can increase their risk of depression. It's something crazy. It's like by over a hundred percent. And if you're talking about teenagers, I think like preteen, like 13 to like 18, like their numbers are insane. They're all over a hundred percent and some of them are over 200%. Well, I mean, that's what they say with like 
depression medications of like, oh, but don't give it to teenagers because then it'll increase their risk. And like, holy cow. And so the depression aspect is that, do you know historically if that tends to be linked more to like an estrogen versus a, a progesterone or it totally just depends on the person? No, I'm not a hundred percent sure. To be honest, I'm guessing it probably depends some on the person and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you brought up teens. So now you and your husband who were married and you did natural family planning, fast forward, have a uh, 16-year-old who's like, mom, I love him. We're going to prom. Tonight's the night. Well, not tonight's the night. Right. It's, It's happening, mom. He is everything to me. Um, what would you do? Dude, I don't know. I thought about this before you would even pose the question. Like, I mean, I've thought about this before. I'm like, man, if I have like a daughter in the future, like what, what would I tell, like, what would I advise her to do? And, and then that's a tough one. Like, because I think at some point, like we know that teens just make decisions out of like how they're feeling, not really thinking yeah, I can leave. Like like, I mean, you could teach her, problems, but like, uh, I can't trust that that you could teach her how to how to track her cycle and stuff like that. And I think they're they're that would be fantastic if all women mm-hmm. understood that and trusted okay. their body and knew how to track it. And I really do, honestly, true believe that if like we did approach menstrual health and we gave young girls that information and we, and as a society, we didn't pressure them to be like, don't get pregnant. Don't have sex because that's worked for so like that education system has worked for us for so well. Like, I really think if we gave them more power and understanding their body and that, and those things, and maybe having like an open discussion of like what sex actually is, like what that relationship actually looks like and not putting these other parameters around it. Like, you have to be married or you have to do this and all these things. Or if you do this, it it makes you look in a certain light. Like if we got rid of all of that, I think there would be a a much healthier relationship with sex. And I think you would see even teenagers make different choices. Now they're still going to have sex. So like, I don't know, like, I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting my teenage daughter on a hormonal birth control, knowing what I know, but again, like I'm not in that boat right now. So it's like really hard for me to say, but I also like would respect the fact that like, she wants to be responsible and we, she doesn't want to get pregnant right now. So like, what's going to be the best way for her to do that and to do it well, mm-hmm. right? Like if we say like, oh, well just use condoms. Like, are you, are you going to truly use them though? If you're to say you are and you're not, then you know, yep. I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm going to need you to figure it out because I have a nine-year-old um, okay. and I don't know if she's going to be an issue, but, but I have a six-year-old. That will be an issue. <laughs> no. just, just calling it now. Like I'm going to need to figure out what I'm doing. I'm just, yeah. Again. Oh God. I'm probably pissing off so many people. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, why would Can't you go? No. Can't make them all happy. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it does kind of, go back to the like you know this stuff and you know we I kind of joked that like well as a chiropractor I'm supposed to hate and it's like well no it's it's frustrating when you just think about the body 
differently. And it's like, no, it's not that I don't want my daughter to be on hormonal birth control because birth control is bad. I don't want her to be because maybe like, I don't want her mental health to be affected or, you know, and And that's like, we did say it does suppress ovulation. Like there's massive, like you're supposed to ovulate. Like if we are ovulating and it helps us later with our heart health, our cognitive function, it's going to mean if your menstrual cycle health is healthier throughout your whole time, your menopause and perimenopause experience are going to be different and more pleasant, like all of these things. So to suppress something that really influences your health and well-being, you know, mind spiritually, like all of these ways, like, yeah, what, where does that leave us? You know, like if we're going to suppress it for what, I mean, I've known people on it for 15, 20, you know, depending, like sometimes they say you choose to stay on it until you go through menopause, which I don't really know how you would finally really know if you went through it as much as you were on something like that. But you know, like what, yeah, you just, I don't know. Like, I feel like you're just leaving your body at this like disadvantage or we're continuing this broken system of, well, menopause is going to suck, or you're going to keep suffering oh, from these wow. things. And you're like, well, we do that with birth. Is- birth is terrible. Birth, I know. You know and it's like, oh, I know. Like, it's so bad. There great too. birth. You can't talk about it because like, you'd be like being shunned. Mm-hmm. How dare you have a wonderful birth outside of the hospital? <laughs> um, <laughs> if somebody's on birth control, so I, we kind of talked a little bit about some things that like to help them recover, but like, so if you have someone who's on birth control, do you recommend like, Hey, you should be on micronutrients and what exactly are micronutrients? Yeah. Like things like magnesium and like B vitamins, um, maybe zinc, stuff like that. Um, I mean, they definitely can, cause it's already going to be depleting. So at least maybe they're trying to like give a little bit before it fully just depletes kind of like the probiotics while you're on antibiotics it's like sure it's funny anytime a patient asks like oh i got prescribed antibiotics so i should start probiotics right away right i'm like well it's just gonna eat them (laughs) yeah i mean the effort's nice yeah right um but i think they could still notice like a little difference and stuff like that and it would still um especially as people are on them for so long like i said if you're not giving your body any of those extra things. And maybe you're not eating in a way that brings any of those nutrients into your body. Like it's then going to just be robbing as much as it can from you versus at least if you're throwing it a little bit, it's not fully taking it. Because think about it. Like, I think this is where I do admire like what chiropractic has given us. Like I well, okay. Like if I'm not giving my body those things through like food or supplementation or whatever, and I'm on a medication that is depleting them from my body, like, well, we're, so wait, where's it taking it from my body? Like what, what's being like damaged if it's like, like, is it pulling it from these things from my bones? Is it taking it from like, oh, yeah. you know, where does it pull it from? Right. <laughs> it's a really interesting specific question that I've never thought of like, but wait, where is it? <laughs> you know, like we said, like, it's going to have to like go through your kidneys. It's going to have to go through your liver, like all those detox pathways, um, which is putting extra stress on them something that was man-made is going in there and it's now having to process it out. Um, so like, you know, especially like people who are like, this is a birth control, but taking like anti-inflammatories all the time. Like we know they give you ulcers. We know they tear up your stomach and all those things. Like, so I think as a society or just people listening to this, if they're interested, we can just do a really better job of being more intentional about 
what are we eating? What are we putting in our body? What's in our environment? What are we cleaning our homes with? Like all of those things matter. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of at this point in life, like we're not really afforded the luxury of pretending that they don't anymore. No, no, definitely. It's just kind of what do you have the bandwidth in your life to control mm-hmm. and what yeah. are you going like, I can't, you know, like for some people, like they're just gonna be like, this is great. I don't have the bandwidth to do natural family planning or things like that. Um, so you said last question, sorry. Um, so you said that you're not ovulating if you're, you know, so that whole like Kate Northrup do less book have you, yeah. yep, with like the egg effect and the ovulation. Yeah. So if a woman is on birth control and she's like, well, that sucks. I want to like, I don't want to miss out on the entire party. Um, Would you recommend that she just becomes obsessed with the moon and like. No, she can still kind of track. Like, so what I recommend is usually like if they're trying to like get somewhat into that flow and that magic that comes with it is whenever they get their withdrawal bleed, like they can count that as their period, like their menstrual cycle. So then you would have to know, um, like, so it goes menstrual cycle, follicular phase, ovulatory phase, luteal phase, and back to menstrual. So menstrual, most women will last about like five to seven days. So once they're through that and you're on that next day where you don't bleed, then you enter your follicular phase. Follicular is going to be about like seven to 10 days. Then you can move on to your ovulation phase, which again, you wouldn't be able to confirm ovulation if you're on hormonal birth control, but it's going to last like three to four. So you can spend time in that space for a little bit. And then you can move on to luteal, which is about 10 to 14. And then that cycle just keeps repeating. So yeah. So when they're, if they want to try to tap into some of these stuff, like, so when they're done bleeding in their, their follicular phase, like some things that are better, like they're having more energy typically at this point, maybe not so much if you're on hormonal birth control, because your hormones aren't changing, but that usually, if you're not on it, that means you can do higher intensity workouts. You start to want to be social again, things like that. Like your brain is just open for that communication. Once they're in ovulation, or if you're trying to tap into that, that's usually when you can lift heavier in the gym. You can go for like one rep maxes. You are a super social butterfly. Like if right, like you're dropping, if you weren't on birth control, you'd be dropping that egg. So you're like, I want to do all the things and meet all the people and, and procreate and all this stuff. So energy is good. You can do well in the gym. Um, again, a really good time to make like engagements with other people when you're in that luteal phase. That is like, if you were not on birth control where the hormones are starting to drop. So that's usually where you start to see that decline in energy with, with us before we're getting our period. So like just doing more like internal work type of things, like going inward, see what's coming up. Um, so not being a social, this is like a really good time to do like to-do list type of things. Nothing that takes a lot of creativity. And then in that menstrual phase is really a test you the time you get to relax and rest, not push it in the gym, maybe even skip a workout or do like walking or gentle yoga. Um, really like giving yourself self-care and new time, things like that for your brain. And, and ultimately at the end of the day, like if you are on hormonal birth control, you're really internally not 
going to be able to fully tap into all that because that's not fully there and happening, but you can start to do some of it. Like there's food suggested for each phase too. Like you can start to do those things. So you can start to tap into some of that power, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then if you're learning it, then when you do come off of it, I think they would even have an easier time transitioning out of that birth control world into whatever they're entering next, whether they want to conceive or they just don't want to be on birth control or whatever anymore. They now have this solid foundation of how to somewhat track their cycle, know how to eat, work out, like work within that type of thing. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, you are awesome. Uh, for people listening, tell mm-hmm. people about your podcast and where they can like binge you. Well, I actually have two podcasts. I have my own podcast <laughs> that I've been doing for a long time. So there's all kinds of different stuff on there called the fearless women's mentor. Um, they're on all the podcasting platforms, but then the one you found me through time to do two podcasts. I know. It's just, it's crazy. I don't know. I, cause honestly, it's in all, in all transparency, I just have a really hard time giving up on the one that I started by myself. I've thought about it multiple times and I'm like, and I think at some point I'll be ready to finally close that chapter and just pursue the one, yep. <laughs> but I'm not there yet. I put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it. Um, yeah. But the other one is vaginas and vertebrae. So it's a super fun name. I do it with a colleague in the area. She is a woman specific, specific public floor PT. So we talk about all women's health issue type of things Um, and a lot geared towards like women in that motherhood transition, whether they know their preconception, one through conception, um, pregnancy and postpartum. Um, So that one is on all the podcast platforms as well. Just type it in. You can find it. How'd you get a physical therapist being willing to put the word vertebrae as half of your podcast. I know, right? She's a good one. I went yeah, to, right? I took like, a birth fit. Is, I don't know. What else starts with a V? Uh, <laughs> I went to a birth fit professional You didn't seminar. like sex and subluxation? Right. Oh, that would have been good too, actually. But people don't know what subluxation is either. Cervixes? <laughs> yeah. We could just keep wrong. Anyways, you were going to say something about birth. Well, she's, she's cool because I went to a birth fit seminar like years ago and I learned, this is the first time I learned about pelvic floor PT. And I was like, oh shit. Like what I was, it was in Atlanta and I was like, well, we go home. I need to find a pelvic floor PT in St. Pete. And she had just decided to like launch and start her own thing. And I remember I met with her and I was like, okay, are you chiropractic friendly? We, gotta, she was yeah, like, we just got to throw down a note. Yeah. And she's like, no, yeah, yeah, cool. And we've built this, this wonderful relationship and like we're friends and all this stuff as well as like podcast hosts. Like we're in the same like mentoring group. Um, we hang out on the weekend sometimes like, and she's, she's fantastic at what she does. And she helps so many women here locally and she does some distant stuff as well. So I, she's great. I love having her perspective and her expertise on the podcast. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much um, for joining us today for a fun topic of birth control. Um, okay, she slayers, go find um, vaginas and vertebrae and binge Madeline. <laughs> and um, yeah, until next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. 
Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. 